Good morning. It is Monday, September the 4th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's, for those of you in the United States of America, it's Labor Day, which in the kingdom of God is just another day to be sowing for a great awakening. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Entering into the week and the day with consecration. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body as a living sacrifice to you. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, When the Good News Turns Out to Be Bad News. And our text is Acts chapter 4. We're breaking into the fourth chapter of Acts. This is our fourth week together on this journey. Verses 1 to 7 today. Hear now the word of the Lord. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? The word of the Lord. Now consider this. Recapping. We have a 40-year-old who was born paralyzed, who has never walked, now leaping and jumping and praising God in the temple courts. We have Peter and John, two agents of Jesus, who after participating in this miracle are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now we have the cops arriving on the scene, more specifically the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees. Now, let me warn you, this post today is a thinker. It is heavy on background, but completely necessary for where we're headed. Bear with me. So what's the fuss? Shouldn't everyone be happy about the lame man now leaping? That wasn't exactly the problem. Luke identifies the problem with this sentence. It's easy to miss. They were greatly disturbed 
because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They weren't mad because they healed the man. The authorities were mad because the apostles were preaching the gospel. So, what is the gospel? I grew up with a pretty propositional and transactional understanding of the gospel. If you believed certain things about Jesus to be true, and you asked him to be your savior, then you would go to heaven when you died. Now, I don't want to attack that as untrue. But I will say it is a woefully inadequate understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we were to ask Jesus the question, what is the gospel, how would he answer? Take a look at his core message, Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So again, Jesus, what is the gospel? He would say, I just told you, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus was announcing in his coming the end of the present evil age and the dawn of the glorious age to come. If we pressed him further, he might say something like, The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the poor hear good news. See also Luke seven twenty-two. All of these signs are straight from the Old Testament prophets. These signs certified the authenticity of the Messiah and the advent of the Messianic age, the very inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Each of these signs is a reversal of the brokenness of the creation, resulting from the separation of the heavens and the earth at the fall from grace. Each of these signs is a reversal of the law of sin and death. Each of these signs is a refutation of idolatry and a restoration of true worship. Each of these signs is a marker of the end of the law of sin and death and the rise of the life-giving law of the Spirit. Jesus performed all of these signs, and yet one remained, the resurrection of the dead. Yes, Jesus raised the dead, but these were resuscitations, not resurrections. All of these demonstrations concerned the religious authorities. Jesus was a major problem for them. They thought the problem had been handled. In the meantime, they had turned religion into a profit center. It ironically served the purposes of the empire it sought to subvert. 
they knew they could handle a few passionate followers who carried the, quote, spirit of the dead leader. They were not prepared for a physical, bodily resurrection. This Acts 3 incident, however, sent them over the edge. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. This was not just Jesus' resurrection. It was the resurrection. You see, the Jews believed in the resurrection of the dead, and they believed it would happen at the end of the age. In the meantime, they were in charge. The Sadducees actually denied the resurrection of the dead. The apostles saw the resurrection of Jesus as not just the victory over death. They saw the resurrection of Jesus as the definitive sign of the end of the world as we know it. It set in motion the chain of events known as the last days. Mind you, a day can be a thousand years, but the guarantee is now signed by the seal of God, the promised Holy Spirit. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. The religious leadership were greatly disturbed because Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the risen and ascended Lord of heaven and earth, was ruling the cosmos. He was performing signs through his unqualified and unlearned disciples. The wise, learned, wealthy religious leaders were out of power. They were no longer in control. The good news turned out to be bad news for them. So you may be asking, what does this have to do with anything today? Well, for starters, if we don't know our story, we can't play our part. Beyond that, the status quo always benefits someone. Those are the people who stand to lose the most. Jesus always upends the status quo. This puts at least two kinds of people on notice that there may be a problem. Number one, people who need to be in control. And number two, people who resist change. The prayer of transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness.
Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration that our lives might become your sanctuary. For the glory of God our Father, amen. The question, so did you make it through the challenge of today's entry? Thanks for bearing with me. We've tended to put all the emphasis on Jesus' resurrection and how that gets us into heaven. Are you understanding the bigger story better now? In our hymn today, we're going to sing one you likely know by heart. It's number 37 in our seedbed hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Number 37. We'll sing all three verses. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I'm come, And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, Bind my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above. Amen. I think I might have pitched that right on the edge of too high, but we did it. We went for it. You know, when when you get up at the higher notes, you got to take a deeper breath. It's something, something that I learned from my old friend Chris Tomlin. You know, Chris's songs tend to be right at the edge of too high. And one day, you know, and 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 I was leading with Chris way back there, way back in a local church in Texas in the Woodlands. A service called the Harvest we started at the Woodlands Methodist Church in 1997. And um, you know, people would in the church, of course, they loved Chris. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And this is, of course, before he was Chris Tomlin. He, he was just a small town country boy from Grand Saline, Texas. 
happy to say his mom and dad are out there listening to the wake up call. And I salute you, Connie and Donna today, but, uh, and I love you. We've been friends all these years, but people would say, man, can he sing a little bit lower? We're, we can't really hit those high notes. And, and I, they would take that to Chris and Chris one day said, he said, you know, you want to sing at the edge of people's vocal registry because they have to they have to go harder for it it you know when you get to those high notes you feel a little bit vulnerable and and frankly vulnerability is good for worship because you're not singing to be heard by your neighbor you're singing unto the lord and it causes you to reach deeper, to breathe a deeper breath, to push out more air, to to let your worship be, get beyond your control. I think that's it. That's how he put it. But it's kind of brilliant, isn't it? So maybe I unwittingly chose that pitch today and uh, challenged our not just vocal registry, but challenged our soul. That's it. So. um it's Labor Day, whatever that means to you. It's a good day to sow for awakening. That's what I'll be doing. Get your seeds. Maybe you'll be at a cookout with family. Perfect opportunity. The love of Jesus fills you to overflowing today. All you have to do is let that be loosed everywhere you go with everyone you meet. Jesus wants to bless them through you. Some of you will find a gate called Beautiful out there somewhere today. I'd love to hear that story. I'll see you out there on the field. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend, leave us a rating, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall. 